We've all endured a bit of suffering in this 2020th year of our Lord, huh? Let's face it. The world made us its bitch this year. Pestilence, civil unrest, and natural disasters have left us in a fugue state of unsure aridity. But hey, at least we're not zombies. I, I already did that episode. When was the last time our global community suffered impacts of this magnitude? There have been wars, tragedies, epidemics, but usually, depending on where they are and where you are, it's easy enough to look around and think, well, I don't see anything in my backyard. And yes, most of the time in life, people are cool and your neighborhood is safe and you can clear your throat at the bank without the lady in front of you clutching her pearls. Relax, Karen. I've got my mask, and I've strategically arranged all my tikis around the house to ward off evil COVID spirits. Disclaimer, there is no empirical nor anecdotal evidence that tikis prevent COVID-19. But this year's events are different in the sense that they've pulled us asunder rather than together. And where's the place we all turn for some unification in the face of calamity? That's right, bars. If you enjoy the human experience as much as me and do not suffer social disconnection well, this year has been like a bad hangover, for which we could all use a little hair of the dog. Many a person has sat elbow on bar, head in hand, hoping the, the sweet Dionysian liquid would offer an answer, an escape, a center from which to grab reality by the horns and hold it steady just long enough to regain some sort of footing. Such was the case for patrons of the Long Bar in 1940. You see, Joe Shalom knew a bar represented the hallowed halls where diversity came to converge. He was the consummate bartender, educated, compassionate, humble, commander of a room, and the epitome of sophistication. It was his job to be there whether before or after a night of dwelling in a memory or trying to forget one, building oneself up or spiraling down. For a man to whom one could confess all their sins without saying a word, night befores and morning afters were his speciality. The brave, the weak, the honorable heathens and poor unfortunate heroes, those suffering bastards. Kings and queens came to him, as did the demimond of delinquent denizens. We're going to learn a lot about Joe today, as well as the role he played at the helm that earned him his place among Tiki royalty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pod Tiki, where today we leave the Caribbean and travel all the way to Egypt to meet another Don of Tiki and the cocktail that garnered him that title, The Suffering Bastard. One of the reasons Joe Shalom holds a place in bartending history is because of his story. His origins are legion, as he told reporters whatever they needed to hear to fulfill their expectations and their bylines. He played the part. Mystery and intrigue is the precept of tiki culture. In some sense, bartenders aren't supposed to have lives. They're supposed to listen to ours. But Joe Shalom's actual origins do precede what one would want from a career mixologist. 
Born in Egypt to an Italian Jewish immigrant and a Russian Jewish exile, Joe's father ran a pharmacy which sparked his interest in chemistry. He followed that scientific path till self-awareness caught up, and a little self-actualizing too. After mixing drinks for friends out of boredom, Joe realized he preferred mixing things that made people happy over temporarily quelling their debilitations. Little did he know. It wasn't long till little Joey, much to his father's chagrin, left the old family biz and landed himself a gig at the premier watering hole in Cairo, the long bar at the Shepherd's Hotel. Shalom, an erudite man who spoke several languages fluently and in dialect, rapidly rose in the ranks till he eventually took control as head bartender of the long bar, serving the likes of Lawrence of Arabia, Winston Churchill, Charles de Gaulle, and King Farouk. It was about this time that the world plummeted into chaos. World War II. But alas, in every tragedy that tries to stamp out the flames of prosperity, there is an ember to spark that silver lining. From thus came the impromptu creation that officially put Joe Shalom on the map. British General Montgomery and his 8th Army had taken up residency at the Shepherd's Hotel. The day would soon come where they would face off against Rommel's branch of Nazi regime at the Battle of El Alamein. And it came to pass that after a long night at the long bar, the troops were unexpectedly roused. It was go time. The rumors were true. The German forces had impenetrable tanks and artillery that would mow down opposing troops like blades of grass under a Briggs and Stratton. Montgomery, rarely effaced in the face of danger, scanned his infantry. These men, these men, these men were in no shape to fight. That's when the call came in to Joe Shalom. Four gallons of hangover cure, front lines, stat. Joe hustled, barking orders like a militant commander himself. Joe gathered every mason jar, thermos, and flask he could find. Rommel's armies had cut supply lines, rendering his inventory little more than rot gut and mixers, leaving his patrons complaining of bad hangovers. Thus, Joe already had this concoction in his back pocket. But how to make it work? He reached for some British Navy-issued brandy, gin that he scrounged up from a trading post, some homemade sweetened lime juice, a few dashes of local bitters, and a ginger beer made by a local merchant of, and I quote, dubious character. From these ingredients, he cobbled together the greatest hangover cure since tomato juice met celery salt. The suffering bastard. Needless to say, General Montgomery and the forces of good prevailed at the Battle of El Alamein, winning the day for the Allied forces and securing Joe Shalom's place among bartending immemorial. But, if you think Joe's story ends there, you are a sad suffering bastard indeed. Much like adolescence, growth can be uncomfortable. And post-war Egyptians were growing fed up with their foppish King Farouk. Disapproval of his excessive lifestyle created civil unrest in turn leading to riots, which descended upon the favorite watering hole, watering hole of His Majesty and others representing that boom-on elite. Uh, which bar is that, you say? You guessed it, the Shepherd's Hotel Long Bar. That wasn't it, though. After the riot, 
During the Suez Canal crisis, Joe was actually taken in on suspicion of espionage due to his relationship with the high-ranking officials on both sides. Following these events, Joe was forced to flee Egypt with his family and to his first island gig, the Isle of Cyprus in the Mediterranean. Scalom's reputation spread all over the Middle East and Europe, eventually catching the attention of one Conrad Hilton. Yes, my friends, this is where our story takes us full circle back to the Pina Colada episode and finally brings our story back to the tropics. Conrad was about to open the Carib Hilton in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and really needed that something, nay, someone. The tiki gods seemed to have been aligned for as soon as Conrad Hilton learned the famed Joe Shalom was on the market, the orfer went out. Joe, for his part, looked around at a region that was shredded by war, rioted his bar, arrested him, and had his family exiled, and he was like, you know what? I think a tropical island sounds pretty damn good about now. And just like that, Joe left the desert so fast his cloud of dust created a sandstorm. I made that part up. During Joe's time at the Carib Hilton, he disseminated many drinks while proliferating his old-school-style bartending etiquette throughout the Caribbean and the Americas. Hilton, always the enterprising such, actually had the nerve to put a Trader Vic's in the bottom floor of the Carib Hilton while the great Joe Shalom ran the show upstairs. It was no matter to Joe, Joe, though. By this time, Kitschy Tiki was experiencing its first recession, but Joe was still attracting thirsty tourists to the island by the literal boatload. In case you're wondering, Trader Vic had one poor attempt at imitating a suffering bastard, but it resembled the original in name alone. Vic's version was basically, well, no, it was a Mai Tai with extra rum. There's really no need for it in our pantheon of potions. The Trader Empire eventually withstood the test of time, but this impotent imposter leaves a bit of a bad taste in the mouth of uh, tiki historians. The legend of Joe Shalom doesn't end here. In fact, his relationship with Hilton found him traversing the globe, opening the bar programs in various hotels for his old comrade Conrad. But lest this turn into the Pod Shalom show, I think you bastards have suffered my regaling you all long enough. With that being said, let's make a drink. Alright, the suffering bastard. Sometimes referred to as a suffering bar steward, depending on one's sensibilities, it gets a bad rap due to the suggestive moniker. It's not some overpowering booze bomb meant to shock you back to temporary stasis. We have zombies for that. As a zombie refers to what you are after the drink, a suffering bastard reaches down to the dry-mouthed, head-pounding, ashy, bloodshot, bloodshot depths and plucks its namesake from Persephone's prolonged punishment. Like the Bloody Mary, its intention is medicinal. And like the Bloody Mary also, when done right, it is a very well-balanced and surprisingly tasty cocktail. I say surprisingly because Joe breaks some of my personal rules here about using fresh ingredients. The more I travel down this path of refined libations, I often slam into unintentional conclusions. One being, if Joe Shalom says use lime cordial instead of lime juice... You used the effing lime cordial, but we'll get there. 
Let's start where we always do, with the spirits. See, this cocktail calls for London Dry Gin and Cognac. For my rundown of gin, check out the aviation episode. I'll put a link in here. The short story is that I prefer a botanical, heavy, floral gin. Nothing wrong with the more laid-back, higher-end gins for martinis or highballs, but a heavy London Dry is necessary to cut through the other flavors in this drink. Beefeater is still my go-to. As for the cognac, for a mixing, I just grab a small bottle of whatever middle grade your local shop carries. The cognac here is for body and character. It adds a very slight fruitiness, but really is simply around to round out the cocktail without taking over the way some other spirits may. I say that because at some point, bourbon began being swapped out for the cognac. As much as I love bourbon, I find that the Kentucky cough syrup likes to overpower the delicate balance of juniper and ginger, so stick with a cheaper cognac. Lime cordial is basically sweetened lime juice. Not quite a syrup, but not as tart as fresh juice. The process is a bit more complicated than that, made by boiling lime juice, citric acid, lime rind, and sugar water. Think uh, non-alcoholic lime curacao. A cordial is defined as liquid candy or a pleasant-tasting medicine, which folds it nicely into its purpose here. So, it's not as egregious as, let's say, a sweet and sour mix. Next, we'll need some ginger beer. Whenever I need ginger beer in a cocktail, I reach for Reed's Extra. It's got that ginger kick without burning too hot. I know some folks swear by the cock and bull, which is great for mules. Keep in mind, mules use a neutral spirit vodka. Here, we want something to complement, not conquer. Not to mention Reed's is a Jamaican product, which fits into our tiki vibe. Lastly, grab some Angostura bitters. Now, you'll need a shaker and a bar spoon or stirrer. The glassware for this is really up to you. Traditionally, I think it's served in a, uh, a double rocks glass or a highball glass, but I prefer a, a nice wincing tiki mug, something that looks like it's suffering. A Trader Vic had a special suffering bastard mug he served these up in, and they are pretty cool if you can find one. Now the recipe is as follows. One ounce of London dry gin, one ounce of cognac, a half ounce of lime cordial, two dashes Angostura bitters, and four ounces of ginger beer. What you're going to do is pour everything except the ginger beer into the shaker. Add ice and shake, 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 senora. Open it up. Pour in your ginger beer and stir that in after you've shaken. Then dump the contents, ice and all, into your preferred, preferred, your preferred, uh, preferred vessel. <laughs> Looks like I need, I need a little suffering bastard after this. All right. Next, lift and sip. Lift and sip. A spoonful of contrition helps the medicine go down as well. Seriously, though, the bouquet of gin and ginger, sweetened with lime, filled out and rounded with cognac and bitters, this is a really pleasant flavor explosion. I contend one need not even be hungover to enjoy it. In fact, one might actually enjoy it while they're recording a podcast about said drink. For my cigar geeks out there, this is a tough one for me. Spicy ginger and thick botanicals dominate the palate here, but luckily the sweetness saves us some room for pairing. I'm going to suggest a Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Sun Grown. 
the heavy creaminess should be able to round off the ginger. Now, back to the drink. There are a few bastard spin-offs that go beyond suffering. Shalom's Dying Bastard is half-ounce gin, half-ounce cognac, half-ounce bourbon, half-ounce lime cordial, two dashes Angostura bitters, and four ounces of ginger beer. But wait. The Dead Bastard is half-ounce of gin, half-ounce of cognac, half-ounce of bourbon, half-ounce of white rum, half-ounce lime cordial, two dashes Angostura bitters, Four ounces ginger beer and a bastard in a pear tree. I don't really think there's ever a reason to make these variations. Unless, of course, you're trying to earn your bastard's degree. Get it? Nah, never mind. As a remedy, this drink hits all the savory, spicy notes of a Bloody Mary, but adds that bright, refreshing bite of floralness with the juniper. I've made a lot of Bloody, Ma Bloody Mary comparisons here, only because it's a hangover cure. It really tastes nothing like a Bloody Mary, and the ginger and, and, and juniper really pop and make this a refreshing cocktail. Honestly, this drink surprised me in how good it is. Then again, a chemist, genius, bartending, tiki god did create it. The Suffering Bastard exemplifies what I look for in a great cocktail. Balance and nuance. Balance... And nuance, huh? Seems like that could be applied to a lot of the issues we face on this crazy spinning rock we call home. This episode is the reason I do this. The unexpected story journey of people and relationships. The origins of this tiki thing that permeates cocktail culture and our own in so many ways. See, while you're out there, remember equality is not pretending we're all the same. It's acknowledging the beauty in our differences. And Tiki does that. Remember, just because you can't always see people suffering outside your window doesn't mean they're not sick or scared or hurting. As we move into the next phase of our lives, it feels like we all need to get over the hangover of last year. Let's do it with love and respect and safety. Because, hey, some, some great things have also happened. For example, the lovely Faith and I are finally married. No more will you hear me speak of my fiancé, but instead now, my wife. Her cocktail of compassion, integrity, strength, patience, and love in itself proves to me that we can all come back from being a suffering bastard. I got a little bit of credit on this episode. I want to give to Potions of the Caribbean by Jeff Berry. I leaned very heavily on that. Paul Semft has a good article on alcoholprofessor.com, which I also used. I want to give a couple of plugs where you can. we are now available, Podtiki, on Spotify and iTunes. So go check us out on iTunes. And of course, you can always find us at podtiki.com. The best way to get a hold of us is just at pod underscore tiki on Instagram or Facebook. Also, me, my personal page is at rum underscore poet. You can always find that. I also wanted to mention I've seen a couple of bouncing, some bouncing hits off of the Share Your Buzz. And for those of you who are checking that out because it's linked to my other profile, just want you to know Share Your Buzz was the first podcast I did. And um, it's got a, almost 200 episodes of really great um, interviews and live performances, 
by a bunch of local Nashville artists and comedians and and uh, business owners. And so if you're into that kind of more of an interview show, go ahead and check that out. That is at podtiki.com and then click on the SYB archive tab and you can find almost 200 episodes of the Share Your Buzz podcast. Also, while I have your attention, I want to give a big shout out to the boys in Malibu Blackout. They just released an EP last last week. I don't know when you're going to hear this, but it was last week as I record this. Sir Devil Dude is out now for your listening pleasure. It's great. It's a great EP to put on while you're making drinks or enjoying drinks. Please find them on Instagram at Malibu Blackout. And then last announcement is, yes, you heard me right. Finally, the wedding happened, and I am now lawfully wedded. So want to give a big thank you out to everybody who contributed to the wedding, everybody who gave us thanks and congratulations. Uh, we really appreciate it. I am very, very happy to have a wife now and um, just really get on with life. And hopefully when, as COVID progresses, we can, uh, you'll be seeing a lot more stuff coming with Pod Tiki and something very special I have planned for the holidays. Uh, my name, again, is Tony. I want to thank you all for listening. Be responsible. And as always, keep your tiki out there.